few minutes about Syria. Hey, there's our friend Ian Bremmer on CBS this morning. I was thinking maybe he'd be a good guy to talk to about this. We're going to talk to Mike Lyons coming up in a little bit. He's a military strategist, so we'll at least get the military perspective on how important is it that we stay in Syria? 2,000 people, is it going to make any difference? I don't know. I have a feeling he's against this uh, latest move by Trump. Right. I would suspect he is, too. I'm busily reading right now the Cato Institute position paper on the topic uh, to see what they have to say. Uh, they are big-time uh, Rand Paul-esque non-interventionists, and even when I don't agree with them, I find their arguments worth considering. I want to hit you with this kind of breaking news right here. Um, looking at Kelly Cohen. She's with Politico? Is that who she's with? Who's she with there, Anson? Oh, Washington Examiner. Okay, Kelly Cohen. And she's tweeting out, the DOJ has just unveiled charges against two Chinese nationals accused of a global hacking campaign. China! Um, Rosenstein saying, the uh, acting attorney general. Oh, Rod Rosenstein, I know his act. Yeah. That China has now formally broken the 2015 espionage deal that Obama and Jinping signed. Today's charges mark an important step in revealing to the world China's continued practice of stealing commercial data. And we'll have more for you on that later, he said, okay. Rod, Rod Rosenstein said. So, okay. All right. New era in our relationship with China. No laying down. I love it. Absolutely love sure. it. Sure. Sure. They've been getting away with too much, it would seem, for a long time. Yep. Yep. Uh, the Syria thing, still a little confused by that. So, uh, Mike is coming up next segment. Is that correct? Yeah. All right. Fabulous. So, uh, a tragic tale. Really, really tragic. She spent two years building a tiny house. Then thieves wheeled it away when she wasn't watching. <laughs> Uh, Must have been Me- pretty tiny. Megan Panu is the name of the uh, gal in question. She had spent two years working on this tiny house. She had drawn a floor plan, laid sheep's wool insulation. Oh, my God. So it's not only is it tiny, it's like granola and organic. Found electric and water sources. Yeah, electric source was like the, your neighbor's uh, you know plug in their backyard. Uh, the home rose 12 feet high with green windows, a tin roof, and stained cedar siding. Construction cost her about $20,000. Wow, a $20,000 house. And she was going to move in this coming spring, taking part in the tiny house movement. Jack, it's an architectural and social experiment. It's gained traction as an alternative lifestyle, and in some areas, a quick fix for homelessness. I, well, I'm not for that reason, but I like the idea of the tiny house. I mean, not for my lifestyle with wife and kids and stuff like that, but if I'm by myself... I, you know, my kitchen, living room, bedroom can all be the same one room in a tiny place. I'd be fine for it's, me. it's an apartment without other apartments attached yeah, to it, exactly, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I would, I would agree with that. I've always just had too much stuff, specifically well, music that's gear. that's part of the movement is just having a hell of a lot less stuff, which I also yeah. am in favor of. Do you yeah. own your things, Joe, or do they own you? Oh, good one, Sean. It's hard to come um, back from that. That's devastating. That's on, the other that hand, on the other hand, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> this has prompted... Uh, oh, I love this. So the uh, 
the uh, the tiny house movement has gained traction. I love this sentence from the WAPO. This has prompted a backlash from traditional homeowners who fear the trend will drive down prices. Oh, yeah, what? Oh, yeah, I have, I what? have, I have no, no concern about the tiny house movement affecting my home price. Oh my God. That's hilarious. I know. That is just, that's fictional. <laughs> as well as scrutiny from experts who warn that tiny mobile homes, generally between 100 square feet and 400 square feet, are insufficient shelter for the vulnerable. All right, God. What does that mean? But like, how, how big is this room we're in right now, Sean? I could live in this space easily. You got a toilet there, a shower there. I, I, this is fine. This is plenty big enough for me. It's probably 15 by 20, right? Something like that, yeah. Well, I could live in a tiny that? house. Uh, well, pay, I'll pace it off. Hold on. <laughs> okay, well, Sean's pacing it off. I have so many gripes with this paragraph. I mean, obviously, there is no backlash against traditional no. homeowners. No. No. We're sitting there in 3,500 square feet and are afraid, oh, my God, my house is going to be worthless when everybody decides to move into tiny little garden sheds. <laughs> <laughs> if a couple of tiny homes go up, I think, well, my house is going to be worth more yeah. for people who want a real home. <laughs> well, and then scrutiny from experts who think that tiny homes... Between 100 and 400 square feet. Let's just, why don't we pick a number in the middle? 300 square feet. So that would be, well, that's 20 feet by 15 feet, What is, right? what is this room, Sean? Just so uh, I have an idea. About six paces by seven paces, Well, Jack. what does that tell me? I don't know. Okay, so it's 42 it's square roughly, paces. It's 21, <laughs> it's 21 by 18. Okay. But so 300 square feet is what I would guess, you know, the studio roughly is. All right. So... Uh, that's insufficient shelter for the vulnerable? I could live in here well, easily for the rest well, of my life. Whatever happened to beggars and choosers in the relationship they're in? <laughs> who, who is saying, you got some guy, and for the sake of the argument, I'm going to pick a guy who has you know, practically universal sympathy. Somebody with mental illness problems or physical handicap or you know, maybe they're severely autistic, something they can't make a living. They just can't. And they're on the street. It's tragic. You're telling me... You put them in a 300-square-foot shelter that has a bed and a little bathroom and a place to heat their food, that that's not good enough? Who is claiming that? I really need a foyer. <laughs> I've always dreamed of a foyer. I need an anteroom, whatever that is. <laughs> Where's the sitting room? In Tolstoy books, they're always in the anteroom, and I don't even know what that is. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know either. An anteroom? A-N-T-I? A-N-T-E. Huh, Maybe right. I'm not pronouncing it right. No, I think that's correct. No, what is so, it? Uh, it's, uh, it's uh, over there. Uh, <laughs> well, that would, that it's would, a room uh, where your coats and your shoes are piling up. Thanks, <laughs> dictionary. Anteroom. An antechamber. Excellent. <laughs> well, I'm not a Latino, so I don't speak Latin, but uh, that is like it's a before room or a front room. Yeah, typically okay. serving as a waiting room is the, the rest okay, of the it's where my shoes and coats are. Got oh, it's the mud room. Yeah. As we... We call it in the muddier parts of the world. The wipe off the dog's feet room. <laughs> anyway, we've gotten completely distracted from the tragedy of this gal who spent two years somehow building her teeny tiny little house. Uh, she prided herself on using recycled materials and completing the bulk of the construction work herself. And probably never mentioned that to anyone. Blood, sweat, and tears, she wrote she didn't, in February. She didn't mention that to everyone she knows constantly about how she's in a tiny house made of cotton or whatever the hell. Uh, Organic blood, sweat, and tears. Cotton. But mostly blood, she posted on some social media site. So she finally got the dang old thing done, and uh, and then she uh, she shows up to move in, and somebody had thrown it on her trailer and taken it. Dang it! Oh, <laughs> uh, she posted, "Tiny house was stolen. I'm at a loss. Please, if you see it around the city, call and report it." I have a tiny. Has anybody seen my house? I have a tiny amount of sympathy. 
Uh, I'm so sorry. It's just like a lost dog notice, but a house. <laughs> um, yeah. Long story short, you know, she enlisted a bunch of people to keep an eye out for it, and by Sunday, a couple of reports had come in, placing the house on I-70, heading west toward Kansas City. Mm. And uh, sure enough, people were snapping pictures of it, being pulled by a uh, a gray Dodge pickup truck. Hilarious. And, Notorious uh, tiny, tiny house fencing hotbed, Kansas City. Yes. Oh, right, exactly. They got chop shops there. And on Wednesday, detectives located the house 30 miles down the Mississippi River in House Springs, uh, Missouri. And uh, the ironically named House Springs, where the house sprung up, and and they, they got her house back for her. Returned free of charge as a Christmas present from the local law enforcement. Isn't that nice? We just got a text. Apparently, there's a tiny house dealership in Lodi, California. If you want to buy a tiny home, they actually I sell don't. them there. I would you like know, one. The The only thing, I could, I could like stick it out on our back patio and like turn it into a little recording yeah, studio. Yeah, I got a lot something. of room. I might put up a bunch of tiny homes. No, we can all live individually in them when things aren't going well. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's rent at one of those places? <laughs> Sam, you go into that tiny home. Henry, you go over to that tiny home. I'll be over well, in this tiny home till well, everything calms down. It's a music studio. It's a, my wife's uh, sewing room. It could be an art studio, a, a little exercise room. Everybody's going to have like a sprawling complex of little buildings on their land. Cool. I kind of like it. Yeah, what's not to like? You just got to you got to like chain it to to a cinder blocks or something. You got to anchor the dang thing. Doberman pinchers. What? Tiny Doberman No, I'm pictures. talking about better. Bl- what are they going to do in a rainstorm? They're gonna I'm pre- talking about being blown away. Oh, gotcha. I thought it was, it was, yes, from a practical man. Preventing theft. Really heavy Doberman pictures. So we've got, um, they're not going to blow away. The house is going to blow away. Oh. Um, so Mike Lyons next on uh, Trump's decision pretty out of nowhere. At least, I mean, he'd been talking about it for years on the campaign trail. He hadn't signaled anybody he was going to do it yesterday, but to pull troops out of Syria. Also, later, I want to get into uh, the United States is not growing in population, which you must do to sustain all kinds of things. In fact, we've got the lowest growth rate in dang near 100 years in the United States. We'll talk to that about that later. Mike Lyons, military analyst, next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. I think history shows that our founding fathers were very, very concerned with too much war. So am I. We're in war in too many places. We've been at war for too long. I commend the president for his decision. So that's Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, who's happy with Trump's announcement that we're pulling out of Syria. However, Lindsey Graham... Of South Carolina, Senator is not happy with it. He's on CNN. This was moments ago. Do not expect me to tell you something I don't believe. It's just not me saying this, Mr. President. It's everybody around you. So leadership is adjusting. You know, President Bush understood we needed the surge. Probably made a mistake going into Iraq, but you have to adjust. Uh, This is your time, Mr. President. This is the Trump presidency. It's not the Bush presidency. It's not the Obama presidency. You got a chance to change things in the Mideast. You have done so in many good ways. Uh, this is a giant step backward. I would- yeah, Lindsey Graham really hates this idea. Right. What are we accomplishing with 2,000 troops in Syria? Um, well, we need to talk to somebody who knows. 
And we'll talk with Mike Lyons, who's our military analyst. Mike Lyons, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, guys. Great to be back with you. Yeah, I have, I have a feeling you don't like this move from the president pulling troops out of Syria. No, no I'm, I'm actually fine with it. What okay. Seeing, I, wow. Okay, hold on. We've been assuming all morning long you were on the uh, you were more Lindsey Graham than Rand Paul. So explain. Oh, no, 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 no. I, first of all, you're seeing everybody show their true stripes. Okay, I, I've got people who hate Trump that have been talking about pulling out of Syria for the past two years now want to stay in Syria. So you've got those, that crowd. Yeah, you're absolutely right line, about that. Yeah, and, and but the foreign policy um, crowd swamp in Washington D.C is so emotionally invested in this whole Middle East policy for the past 20 years. So any change to what we're doing, they're not going to like no matter what. Nobody can tell you what the 2,000 troops are actually doing in Syria, if they're pulling triggers, what specifically they're doing. We do know what they're doing is they're actually helping the Kurds and they're helping um, them defeat ISIS. But the foreign policy crowd really wants them in Syria to, to be as a deterrent for Russia and Iran. That's what they really want them there for. But there's a very legal, thin um, re- requirement that, that put them there in the first place, back when the Obama administration put them there. So they were, they were put there for the wrong reason, and that reason continues. So I think we're just correcting something that the Obama administration did that we've already given Syria to the Russians five years ago. That, that, well, that was done five years ago. This is nothing. Okay, interesting. I was reading the Cato Institute's uh, paper on this, and they're hardcore non-interventionists, and they're very happy about this. Although they do say it was so sudden and, and wild, they, it just it was probably not the way it should have been handled. But so, if we get into the legalities of things, I think we're going to get bogged down. Just for a right. moment, let's deal with the practical aspects of this. There are twenty to thirty thousand ISIS troops allegedly still on the ground, not to mention Al Qaeda in the area. That fight hasn't ended. How do you? Respond to that argument. Okay, so I, I'm I question that number. So that number now has been surfaced over the past um, 24 hours because that number supports keeping troops there. Because that number has been down to 8,000 in the past. All of a sudden now, people who support keeping troops there boast that number back up to 30,000. The bottom line is they don't control any of the land that they used to control. They don't control Raqqa. They don't control Aleppo. The places where they used to have, that's less than 1% of the land mass of Syria. So they might have small little pockets there that, that, that they might be controlling, but where are they going to get more people all of a sudden to join their ranks? So so the, the, I question that number to begin with. I'm not sure it's 30,000. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we cannot abandon our loyal friends, the brave, brave Kurds. We talked with you about the other day that uh, Turkey's uh-huh. talking about uh, wiping off the, the face of the planet. Well, again, the Kurds don't have a nation state. We have to act in our own best interests. And unfortunately, we've abandoned the Kurds before. Um, but the Turks are now talking about running uh, through the northern part of Syria there. And, and if U.S. forces are involved, they basically told the president that uh, if they get in the way, they're going to be casualties. So until the rest of the world figures out the Kurd problem, which we thought were gonna, was going to get figured out after the First World War, 1920, there was an agreement to do something with Kurdistan. It hasn't happened in the region. So unless we're willing to go down that path right now, again, 2,500 U.S. soldiers is not protecting the world from this mass meltdown of, of, of humanity that's going to take place if they leave. So I'm, well, I don't, although I, you're dis, I, Mike, uh, forgive me, but it seems like you're dismissing a little too easily the presence of the U.S. troops there. I mean, Erdogan might say, hey, if you get in our way, we're going to wipe you out. But when was the last time he fired on Americans? He doesn't want to do that. 
No, but but so that gets back to the concept of you know I could be a Roman citizen, walk the earth, and all I need to have is one troop. You can you can you know one person there. You, you could argue you could take thirty thousand troops out of South Korea, and as long as you have one soldier there defending it. I think those days are really over, and I do believe that there's something that something could happen. Let, let's say let's let's go back twenty five years when we put twenty five hundred troops in Mogadishu. Nobody knew they were there. And all of a sudden, they get involved in a, in a land battle, and we have two Blackhawks go down, and, eight, and 20 soldiers are killed. Then what happens? Uh, then, then all of a sudden, the, Americans, uh, the American public is outraged because we no longer have, uh, uh, you know, we don't, what are we doing in Mogadishu? That right. situation can easily replicate itself. So I want to make sure I understand your argument. Your argument is not that um, we don't want to uh, cede this area to Russia or Iran. You're saying it already happened a long time ago. So what are we doing now? Is that correct? That's right. Uh, uh, Syria is a client state of both the Iranians and the Russians. It happened the day that John Kerry allowed the Russians back in to inspect the Syrian chemical weapon munitions that, that they never did properly. So that, that happened a long time ago. The Obama administration gave basically Russia to Syria. They were already an Iranian client from the begin with. And unless we're willing to put, you know, 60,000 troops there, it's not, it's not the same as leaving Iraq. When we were in Iraq, we were with the, a government that was there with an occupying force. We had the 1st Armored Division, forty to 60,000 troops, and we pulled them out. Completely different situation than 2,500 troops and advisors that are, that are, again, not pulling triggers every day inside of Syria. The Washington Post is acting, uh, Mike Lyon, CBS military analyst, as if the uh, the Trump call with Erdogan was a big turning point, that Erdogan may have stressed to Trump that Syrian Kurds were terrorists. And uh, uh, I, I'm troubled by the idea of uh, Rajiv Erdogan influencing our president too much. Do you think that was a factor? Or is uh, Trump just looking out for American self-interest? I think hard to say. I think this is another good example of Trump promised he was going to take troops out of Syria. He's listened to people before. I, I think this is, again, a good example of, you know, I read a Washington Post article that says we're disrespecting General Mattis because we're not listening to him. I mean, again, the, the foreign policy community has a vested interest in keeping the status quo, full stop. And so because of that, you have a disruptive president that comes in that instinctively says, what are 2,500 troops doing there? that I can't just pull them out. We can't do whatever we can from the air or from, from other military assets. Now, leaving the region, we're just going to have lots of troops in Kuwait. If we have to ever go back into Syria, we could actually do that if we had to. Interesting. CBS uh, military analyst Mike Lyons on the line. Man, I'm glad we had you on. That's very interesting perspective, Mike, in running counter to what I thought you were going to say. So shows I, yeah. shows I don't know you very well. That's what it shows. Well, I mean, again, I, I think everyone's showing their stripes. and I, It's not like – it's not the same analogies with Iraq. Things are different at this point. And, and this thing this, – this hysteria of the, of the, the world's going to melt down, it just shows you that we can't even have a debate about it. We can't even discuss what, what actually other situ, what's the situation actually on the ground there. ISIS is not as strong as they've been there before. And it'll, if it allows Congress to debate the issue as to why we have troops there, that's a good thing. Fair enough. Mike Lyons. Mike, thanks a million. Great to talk to you. Great, guys. Thanks for having me. You got it. Yeah, I, w I want to talk about that more later. <clears throat> Hopefully we can get this guy on from Cato who wrote this book, The Hell of Good Intentions, about the foreign policy community that Mike Lyons referenced several times there. We'll get into that more later. I was surprised by uh, by Mike's uh, opinion on this. What do you got coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, we got a major DOJ bust of hackers working for the Chinese government. 
our budget deal looks like it's blowing up. And more scandals rocking the Catholic Church. Details of those stories and more coming up in minutes. By the way, the, any president ignoring their Secretary of Defense completely you know, and thinking that's a big deal, that, that's why we have civilian leadership. Stay tuned right. to the Armstrong and Getty Show. I got this text. Mike Lyons has a strong tendency to defend whatever policy Trump proposes. That is absolutely not true. If you've been listening to Mike Lyons over the years uh, that we've had him on the Armstrong and Getty show. Uh, Jack's surprised to hear Mike agree with uh, Trump. Yes, I was. He's disagreed with Trump on a whole bunch of different military moves since we've been having him on. Uh, let's get the news now. Marshall Phillips. Announced this morning the Justice Department charging two Chinese citizens with carrying out an extensive hacking campaign to steal data from U.S. companies. And the prosecutors say they were acting on behalf of China's main intelligence agency. Now, court papers allege the hackers were able to breach the computers of more than 45 different entities in 12 states. The victims were in a variety of industries from aviation and space to pharmaceutical technology. The U.S. Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein said China had violated a 2015 agreement under which it had pledged to not engage in commercial cyber spying. And later on today, the U.S. and more than a dozen allies are expected to collectively condemn China for its alleged economic and technological mis- uh, malfeasance. And you got to see the visual on this. you got Rosenstein standing up there at a microphone with all the heavyweight chairs of the various committees right, right behind him. This is a big get China's attention announcement yep. of we caught you, you're dirty rats. I mean, us calling, us calling them out this boldly is a new era, when, yep. which has got to be a good thing, doesn't it? FBI Director Christopher Wray, who was also there for the presser, said China's goal, simply put, is to replace the U.S. as the world's largest global superpower. Listen, they are a monomaniacally focused follower of their own self-interest. They will exploit, they will rape, uh, you know, African nations, they will lie regularly, they will make agreements and then violate them. That's just who we're dealing with. They're also a you know, trillions worth of uh, trade partner. So, you know, we can't disengage with them completely. But, yeah, you've got to be completely aware of what you're dealing with. And I love this move. There are going to be some rocky times. There are going to be some uh, choppy seas. And, <laughs> boy, the market's already pretty choppy. Uh, but we've got to restructure that relationship. This article in the New York Times today, China's Belt and Road Plan in Pakistan takes a military turn. China is building infrastructure in 70 countries. They've already spent $1 trillion in trying to be involved in countries all around the world, including in Pakistan, where they've got distinctly defense-related projects and uh, building new fighter jets and that sort of thing. Yeah, that, you know, you could teach an entire 300-level class on what China's trying to do with some of that stuff, including... You know, they will provide all of the financial backing for a port or an airstrip or a, you know, whatever, um, a, a train system. And uh, the other country has to pay them back. Well, China knows they're not going to be able to pay them back because the numbers are all, you know, jacked up. And then uh, the country's on the hook to China for whatever they want for years or decades. Looking at another twist as Republicans scramble over the bill that would extend funding for the federal government, GOP House Speaker Paul Ryan canceled a scheduled news conference this morning to take an emergency call from President Trump. 
The temporary spending bill does not include Trump's demand for the $5 billion to help build uh, that uh, border wall. Trump tweeting this morning before that phone call, when I begrudgingly signed the omnibus bill, I was promised the wall and border security by leadership. It was promised it would be done by the end of the year now. It didn't happen. We foolishly fight for border security for other countries, but not for our beloved USA. Not good. Yeah, you don't understand the way Washington, D.C. works there, Donald Trump. You just always sign these continuing resolutions where you don't deal with national debt, borders, social security, any of these issues. And you, you get hailed as being the grown-up compromisers for doing that. For some and we all just keep getting paid. That's the way the scam works. Don't solve anything. Illinois' Attorney General says the Catholic Church swept hundreds of sexual abuse accusations under the rug. The initial findings from the Attorney General Lisa Madigan's investigation found at least 500 accusations against priests and clergy that were never reported. The six Catholic dioceses in Illinois have already identified 185 clergy who had credible claims of child sexual abuse leveled against them. 185. Yep. But Madigan said preliminary findings in the investigation she began shows the church did not disclose allegations against at least 500 others with some of the accusations going back decades. I was shocked by the 185 numbers. So there are 500 others mm-hmm. that they kept quiet. Yep. That's nice. Meanwhile, a highly Same ra- thing everywhere you go with the Catholic Church. Meanwhile, a highly ranked member of the Catholic Church in L.A. is stepping down following allegations of sexual misconduct against him. Pope Francis accepting the resignation of Auxiliary Bishop Alexander Salazar, the Archdiocese of L.A., says they were first made aware of the allegations in 2005 when Bishop Salazar was a priest, yet he was still promoted to bishop shortly thereafter. And now the L.A. Times is reporting the Archdiocese is passing the buck when it comes to Salazar, saying he was under the Vatican's responsibility, and they're telling the Times they didn't have the authority to disclose allegations of sexual misconduct. You've just got to restructure the whole thing. Keep all the Jesus stuff the same. That's fine. That's why people are there. But the relationship between the, the priest and the congregation, the priest and the bishop, the bishop and the pope, just everything needs to be torn down to the studs. I mean, how, do we need, what, eight, ten more dioceses where there are hundreds of child predators? And everybody at every level tried to keep it quiet, even though they knew it? Well, and they're more concerned about continuing their gig than they are about kids being molested or raped? Right, and you've got, and listen, the child molesters is just one layer of it. You've got the man-boy lovers who have 17-year-old, uh, you know, uh, boys who they're they're diddling around with. You got the the priests who are having sex with teenage girls. You got the the priests who are having sex with men and women of of you know adult age, uh, and they are you know obviously betraying their vows and the rest of it. Man, you have you just you've got to tear the thing down. Well, there you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. I mean, if it were eleven priests in each of these dioceses. That would be shocking. Sure. You know, Pittsburgh and D.C. and Baltimore and Illinois and, and, and the Sacramento area and L.A. and San Diego. And I'm trying to think of all that have come out in just the last six months or so. And not to mention all the foreign countries. If it were like 10 to 15 in each of these dioceses, that would be shocking. But it's 100, 200, 500? Mm-hmm. 
Come on. If you've got 500 priests that were doing this sort of stuff, that's just that's almost why you're there at that point, isn't it? Isn't that uh, almost I, I, what the organization is at that point? Well, right, yes. Yeah, Sean often says of like Facebook, that's not a flaw, that's a feature. Uh, that's that's part of that's what you're doing. And and some of them like teach about Jesus on the side. I think that's unfair. That's out of balance, but it is moving in that direction perception-wise, yeah. Absolutely shocking. There aren't going to be any people left in the United States if we continue on the path we're on, at least uh, nobody that was born in this country. Yeah, somebody will take the land. Yeah, somebody would want to live here. scenic. Scenic, a lot of resources. Somebody would want to live here, but we've stopped having kids. Um, Lowest growth in the United States in almost 100 years, which is amazing. We can get into some of that and a whole bunch of other stuff coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It was just like um, like a soft but bright mm-hmm. whitish little curve in the sky. Exactly right. That uh, there's more from her. Let's hear one more clip from her. She's labeled MOS. That's man on the street, spacey girl. Everything was dark except for this one little like white like reflective um, thing. And I was like, whoa! Like this is probably something rare that we're not gonna see again. That is exactly what I thought last night. If you saw that light in the sky, nobody's—they're not nobody's sure yet what it is, right? The latest guess is it's a meteor. Well, if you want to call it a guess, so you can continue on with your bizarro theories, I'll pretend that's the case. And not an alien invasion of some sort. Science has nailed it down. It's a meteor. Nothing to see here. Return to your home. Sleep well next to the pods. <laughs> it was weird. It was the weirdest thing I would have ever seen in the sky. If my wife had told us about it. So she's outside, sees the most amazing thing she's ever seen in the sky, then doesn't mention it to us. Boy, were the kids mad when they found out. (laughs) So we could have seen the coolest thing ever in the sky, ever in our lives, even Dad, and he's old, but no, you kept it as a secret to yourself. Wow, I just... The boys were very unhappy about that. I don't... I don't Mom, why didn't you tell us? (laughs) We were looking at the pictures online. It was right outside our window. Oh, man. That is disappointing. Yeah. Oh, that, speaking of familiar relationships, um, I forgot. I was going to text my daughter to ask if I'm allowed to talk about uh, a certain aspect of her homecoming. Um, she uh, arrived home from college last night with a, uh, uh, with a surprise. Okay. Um, and I, I can't remember what aspects of it I'm Nose piercing, to. baby, tattoo... A pierced baby, perhaps. Girlfriend. With a tattoo. Could be all kinds of different things. It would be a surprise a if, any, if anybody's uh, son or daughter comes home for a, you know, a break. That you was know? a good one. I hadn't even thought of that one. Oh, oh okay. It's a yes. <clears throat> so, uh, so you're going to reveal it now? Oh, I don't know. Do we have anything more important to get to? I was going to talk about the demographics of the United States, but it can... Uh, 
Well, the Democrat, uh, the demographics, rather, of the United States include more and more people with tattoos. There yeah, you go. That's right. A tattoo is the answer. Um, <clears throat> and I can't, I can't get into it as much as I'd like. Um, face, because like what? Mike Tyson, is it a face tattoo? Uh, tribal tattoo? No, it's uh, the okay. skull with the snake emerging out of the eye. <laughs> My longtime dream tattoo. <laughs> no, actually, it it's very sweet. It is uh, discreetly placed, and it is a pumpkin um, for a couple of different reasons. And I can only describe this partly because it's very, very personal. Sure. But my nickname for her as a child was Precious Pumpkin. Cool. And so it's a reminder of her family's love and going to pumpkin patches and just warm home family memories. See, if I, so I did that, that was really sweet. That is nice. If I did that, it would just be because I like to eat pie. Pumpkin pie. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, you, you should have like a, a really beautiful artsy pumpkin and an apple and a peach and a cherry. And people think, oh, is your family in agriculture or you, you believe in organics? Or, oh, no, those are just things you make pies out of. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, th- this is, you know, couldn't be more common, this sort of thing at various ages in life, but certainly like in high school and college, that need for something like a strange haircut, a tattoo, some weird clothes, just all that sort of thing. That need, what is that? Where does that come from? Ah, you're expressing we, yourself. And we all have it or have sure. it. Sure. Yeah. 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 Youthful energy. I, I'm fine with it. I think it's great. I don't care. How about elderly bitterness? Well, that's it. I don't want to. I'd rather not express myself, honestly. I just want to sit here and drink my prune juice. <laughs> Which gets back to the when I was at Noah's Bagels the other day. So he rings up my bagels. It's $8. And he says, and with the senior discount, that's seven eighty-eight. And that's the first time in my life anybody would ever, the senior discount thing had ever even come up. I don't even qualify for the senior discount at Noah's Bagels. And he didn't ask. He just right. assumed by looking at me. So, it, you know, that was problematic on a number of levels. And I considered that the worst day of my life. But... Um, so I mentioned that to my wife, which she thought was hilarious. Um, and uh, she said when she worked at Starbucks, she's not sure if it was the company practice or just at that store, but I'll bet it's the company practice. They never ask anybody, no matter their age, if they want the senior discount because they saw it as insulting. And I said, yeah, I could see how that would be um, for, for all kinds of different reasons. If they ask you for it, if the customer says, do you have a senior discount or I get the senior discount, of course you give it to them. But you never suggest it to them. Right. And that does seem like a good company policy, even if the person's old enough. Because if you're a senior discount, a lot of senior discounts, I think Denny's starts at 50, which just seems ridiculous to me. But um, So your senior discount is 60, whatever. And you say to a 62-year-old, would you like the senior discount? Because you're clearly 60. Right. I but mean, they, in their mind, think, they, they like walking around thinking, I don't look my age. Well, the only people who walk around thinking that is everybody. Yeah, so they don't want anybody to say, oh, you look exactly your age. Nobody wants to hear that, especially to save 50 cents on something. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that'd right. be a good policy. Right, I know right. that guy didn't make me happy, and he wasn't, it wasn't like he was a 22-year-old. You know, when you're 22, anybody over 30 looks 70. So sure. it, it doesn't make any difference. This guy was my age. It's just, so, it's just, again, it's the worst day of my life. As we're dying slowly from time, America <laughs> isn't having babies. No, we aren't. The population actually grew in the United States at the lowest rate in almost 100 years, 80 years, which is pretty astounding. Well, the, i got to ask what was happening 80 years ago. Uh, the Great Depression. Oh, right. Yeah, which is... I'm too depressed to have sex. <laughs> 
You know, I, we, we generally mock the idea of who would bring a child into this troubled world. The great the worldwide depression was an extraordinary moment. Oh, yeah, and the Dust Bowl and the rest of it. A lot yeah, of people were starving. Terrifying. A lot of people were starving in America. So yeah, you can understand why you starving, might yeah. put off having children. Not like, I'm so starving. When are we going to go to lunch? <laughs> not like that starving. <laughs> like not having enough calories to live anymore. <laughs> Not since the 30s, the uh, Great Depression, when the country is in the grips of this, where the birth rates down this substantially, it has grown so slowly with just a 0.62% gain uh, last year. The population's actually declined in nine states, which you just don't see. You might see flat, but you don't see populations decline in nine states. Alaska, Connecticut, Hawaii, Illinois, Louisiana, Mississippi, New York, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Uh, and Puerto Rico, which is not a state, but is mm-hmm. kind of like it. The population's actually declined. The drop is simply stunning, says this professor, professor who studies demographics. Just 10 years ago, the surplus of births over deaths was 44% higher. Wow. It's a significant drop very quickly. And he says if this is not an aberration for some reason, and it seems like it isn't, if this is not an aberration uh, and this is a trend, we are in big trouble. I find myself wondering, and I have absolutely no research nor uh, reasoning to back this up with, but everybody's so freaked out and angry right now and fired up and their hair's on fire and they're actually believing the hooey they hear on on uh, social media and cable news. that Trump's the new Hitler and this is a disaster and it's soon going to be in a, a uh, what was that stupid handmaid's tale and everything? I wonder if we are in like a... A, a brief period of people being so freaked out, they're afraid to have a family. And, you know, in a couple of years, everybody's going to realize, oh, everything's fine. It's ups and downs like life has always been. wonder if we'll have a, a mini baby boom. No, I don't think it's an aberration. I, don't think, I think it's just a trend of, uh, of, of people alone in their homes with plenty of amusement and fake connections through social media and just, just don't need to couple and have kids anymore. Well, that's a cheery notion. Well, but you're right. Grow up. Do you want to grow up or not? Not really. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.